Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Digital Podcast. Hosted by Sarah Lister, this episode features a group interview with four apprentices working at TES. In collaboration with Makers, TES Global offered the opportunity for those passionate about tech to retrain, learn to code and launch a new career in software development. Jack, Noelia, Sonia and Jose were invited to this interview to share what their experiences have been like so far and what they're looking forward to next. What was it that really pushed you to make the decision to make this career change? Because it is a really big decision. I just needed some more like challenging things to do in my life. My background is just hospitality. So kind of was literally just like physical jobs and just running from one place to another. And then I wanted two things. I wanted stability for my family and obviously money is good as well. So we know how good the salary can get after a certain time but apart from that it's just the fact that when I started self-learning I realized that I was happy doing this so you know when you and you listen somewhere people saying a job is not a job when you enjoy it so that's how I feel with this so that's what that was my last decision that's when I realized I want this I'm happy with this I'm comfortable and I want to dedicate to this so that will make, make make me realize yeah this is my my dream career for me, it was because my background is graphic design and I work at mostly merchandise. So things was for yesterday, <laughs> all the time. And uh, the pressure plus the toxicity in the um, labor ambient, it was really dragging. So my husband t- uh, started his career as an engineer and when I was seeing him working on how the work was. It was like, oh God, I want that. <laughs> I want that piece, that the separation of between what's your job and what's your life that I didn't have before. And now seeing the ambient, how everyone I have met uh, during this uh, journey is so nice, so willing to help and answer any question that's that's telling me I'm in the right place of course sometimes you feel like oh god I didn't show did this when things get uh, difficult or days you don't feel that uh, impulsive but yeah deep down it's like yeah you're doing the right decision so keep going it took me a long time to make the decision because I had heavily invested in in my previous career. I'd, I'd like um, gone down the academic route and I'd ended up doing a PhD and then uh, in English literature and then was working in various departments on sort of temporary contracts after that. And um, I could just tell that even though I loved the subjects, the, the actual day-to-day of being an academic or trying to be a lecturer was was not for me. Similar to what the others have said, the the lack of work-life balance was a huge factor and it was sort of sapping the joy out of what I was doing. So I started to think about what would be a good job for someone who felt like a creative person. And I wanted a job with a hard skill. That was a big thing for me because um, a lot of other English graduates that I know have gone on to do jobs where they're essentially answering emails and doing administration. And I really didn't want to do that. And I'd done a bit of web stuff here and there in my academic role and 
gate coding a try and it's amazing the uh the flow that you can get into when you're deep in code it's 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 exhilarating despite it being quite different from my previous career i've noticed loads of similarities actually you're working with language on a sort of minute level and that's that that's something that i really enjoy after giving it a try for a while that i I felt similar to the others that it gives you a host of benefits and it's super fun and that's a bit that's a big thing so I'm still I'm still interested in the things that I was interested in but as a hobby uh, now and that feels the right way around. My previous background was working in museums Um, I'm actually the youngest out of like everyone here so I'm 27 and I started working in museums at like 22 It's one of those things where you get told when you're working in heritage, especially being my colour and being a woman, how privileged you are to get there so young. So I definitely internalised that and I felt like I just had to keep on working in heritage despite the fact that it was a very difficult job. Um, I, I loved working with communities, I loved helping create exhibits, but ultimately there just was not a good work-life balance and every single time I I personally found that working in museums I wasn't given any respect if I went to a community group to uh, discuss my job with them um, the management would just think that I was one of the students instead of being like the, a, a museum official um, so I actually ended up looking into technology because I worked with a games museum Um, and so I ended up just playing around with making those video games and those educational exhibits of my own which I really really enjoyed and and appreciated. As I started learning about it I, I was initially quite nervous because my background had been diversity and inclusivity in museums and I was worried with technology you hear so much stigma about how unfriendly it is but that was nothing like my own experience every single developer I talked to was just so excited about teaching me how to learn code and like it was their friendliness and enthusiasm that made me like begin searching for it as as a job and I did go into it like like with Tez one of my big aims was I went to work for technology that helps make a difference and what I I love about technology is you can have any type of interest and there will probably be like an organization that that fits you for that. Do you feel like that's nice as well to sort of have each other's support and to all be in the same boat as such? Honestly yeah since we all went together on that assessment day where we use like 10 of us and obviously you didn't know who you're going to be with but you didn't know if you, we got in. So when we got in and I realized that I knew some of them, I knew their faces, I see them, I spoke to them on the assessment day. I was very happy. And the fact is five of us, it makes it even better because we can make a little group. Sometimes we feel very down and then and you, you're like, am I alone? Am I the only one feeling like this? But then some of them are like, oh no, are you on this on this as well? Are you feeling like that? And I'm like, oh yeah. So we can share our, um, I know our worries, our tears, I don't know. But it's very good to have all have all of them. I think it will be so much different if we should on my own. I think a big difference as well is that we also went through the boot camp together at the same time. And I think based on my conversations with other developers, it can feel quite 
uh, transitive that process. You know, you can you can sort of make friends on the bootcamp and then never see anyone again. But the fact that we went through that training process together and now we're, if not working directly together, working in the same company, seeing each other most weeks, that's helped to make it feel like a one process that we've been going through and you know I'll just echo Jose by saying you know it's been a very different experience if you're doing it on your own it's been great to have these guys yeah you seem to have a very nice dynamic between you you all seem very relaxed with each other and yeah it it feels it feels really nice to be to be in the in the zoom room with you (laughs) (laughs) so what what are the main skills and knowledge that you're bringing to the apprenticeship from your previous roles for anyone who's coming at this from a humanities background I'm sure Sonia will be able to say some more on this anything anything where you're working with language is going to be useful um, encoding you know critical analysis breaking problems down breaking down pieces of code it's it's all it's all the same kind of process but also soft skills communication presentations that sort of thing that's all part of being a developer these days um so i've I've been amazed at how much i've been able to bring over from the previous career um that's been really satisfying actually as jack says uh for me it's more more the soft skills part well we were doing the boot camp my graphic design skills sometimes came in with the css but for the rest it's I don't know. I feel like if you have the the will to keep learning every day and just wake up and not knowing something and just keep pushing is is what is going to help you the most to get here and to the job. I usually get frustrated really easy when something don't get in the first try and I really I want things to be perfect. But with this, you need to to uh, learn to just let it flow and try to learn everything you can and ask for help all you can. And that's why uh, have this group or the the teams we are in. It's really helpful to see that people are willing to help you and answer anything. So. Yeah, and in, in not just us, it's just our colleagues, managers, everyone. I think from my background as well, where I wasn't used to that, it was more like a competition. Why well, here, there's no competition. Here's like, please host it. And sometimes my manager had to tell me, you need to ask questions. Like, don't don't be scared. And oh, it's just, it feels so nice when you just drop the question in the group chat and someone comes in like, oh, yeah, do this, do this, and I'm like, why haven't done that before? Uh, I spent two hours of my day just banging my head against the keyboard, and it was it was as easy as that. Asking. Yeah, in my, in my previous background, I didn't have a good experience when you ask or m- not even ask that you did something wrong. You get so well punished in some way that I get that really deep down and. Being here and during the bootcamp, uh, it's time I pair with someone and I was telling them, like, I don't know what I'm doing. They were feeling exactly the same. So that gives you some courage to just ask the things you have to ask and don't have that afraid anymore. I think to piggyback on sort of what everyone else is saying, that the key team, at least for me, 
is it doesn't matter if you're working in hospitality or a humanities background or whatever before because working in technology as a career changer I realized how much it is the soft skills like communication being able to have that perseverance and just being able to have some sort of optimism that are the skills that you should go into a career change with because as work being an apprentice you're going to inevitably learn those hard skills that's what they train you in and I certainly appreciate the fact that for me one of the biggest takeaways about the boot camp was they've already insistent that we become familiar and comfortable with with that feeling of being uncomfortable that feeling of failing and being overwhelmed um, and I really appreciate the fact that they took time to strengthen that soft skill. What did you know about coding before applying? In my perspective I only been surf learning for six months so obviously I knew HTML from back in school when you have to well back in Spain you have to pick French computers or English and then I did one year on computers and he was the the teacher decided to do one lesson of HTML so I knew coding as in HTML and then like six months ago I well before I applied for tests I knew some I learned some JavaScript but that's all I knew from there like honestly I, I felt so happy when the um, recruiter phoned me over and I'm like oh you're in Jose we like to I'm like really I honestly I barely know anything but you gave me the <laughs> chance I love it for me, as Jose said, back in Spain, I take the computer one, two, and it was on the time of my space. And I mm-hmm. remember playing a lot with the HTML and CSS options you have there. But I don't know why I like kind of forgot about that until uh, my husband started to learn it here. Um, I started to learn a little bit more about HTML and CSS, but I didn't have like time or like the the pressure I have it on the on the job. It wasn't allow me my mental capability to grow in that way. So when I started the bootcamp and doing all the stuff we we learning, I was like, oh yeah, I remember I I did some of these things, but yeah, it was really challenging at that point but at the same time it felt a little bit familiar. Can anyone um, just briefly explain the journey that you're on with Tez? I believe the that makers advertised for the for the position um, I think the advert was was released by makers initially and the first step was that you had to do a coding exercise for makers so you had to do like a like a little tech test where they said learn how to use basic ruby and then do some exercises but they were they were insistent that you could have zero prior knowledge essentially for this role and once you'd gone through those two steps there was an assessment day at tes in in uh, sheffield where i think Jose said there were 10 of us I think that's right and um, we got split into groups and we went around and met different teams the software team the testers the agile team and then we had individual interviews as part of that day I mean that that day was great it was fun met loads of really interesting people including some of these guys but I was absolutely exhausted at the end of it it was (laughs) it was certainly intense 
and have no idea how I'd done. And I'm sure the others will, will say the same. It was very hard to tell whether you'd you'd sort of made the grade or created an impression. And then it took a while to hear back. And then after that, it was a case of turning up to the boot camp, which was entirely online. Tez encouraged us to come into the office maybe once or twice a week while we were doing the boot camp to meet up for five and just check in with each other, which was really great. Um, so there's a strange period where you were doing this online boot camp and you very much felt like part of that. And yet you were also sort of an employee at Tez, but you'd go into the office, but you weren't actually engaging with the work that was happening there. So I'm going to say that was quite positive. I quite enjoyed coming to the office every now and again, but it was slightly strange. And then once the boot camp ended, we essentially immediately started, started at Tez, uh, got assigned to teams. We're each in a different team now. So we're all working on sort of separate products. Um, and we are the apprentice in that team. And there was, for I know it's been slightly different for each apprentice, depending on the language they're using and the product they're working on and how the team works. But most of us have had to engage in some sort of further training specified by Tez before we moved on to working on tickets. And there was a, there was a, a stage where, you know, I, I could speak personally where I was sort of pairing with the other devs in the team. And now I'm just at the stage where they're giving me, they're trusting me with work on my own. So it's good for them, I guess. Um, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, so so it's been it's been quite a quite a sort of uh, a route to get to this point. Can you please explain what tickets are? Just because people who are maybe working in something completely different might not know what that is. So essentially a ticket is like a task. It's worth saying that Tez and most software companies nowadays are agile. Um, so they use like the agile workflow and, and agile tools and things like that. So essentially there's like a backlog of, of tasks on a specific product that have been drawn up by the product owner and the, uh, and the tech lead and, and other figures. And those over time are broken down into tasks and then broken down again into tickets. And then every two weeks we'll do a sprint which the in which the team will decide what tickets are bought into the sprint, who they're assigned to, how much capacity the team has for work, and they'll sort of try and match tickets for that capacity um, and see how much they can get done in that sprint. So it's all about estimating, refining, and then reflecting at the end of the sprint on how things went, that sort of thing. So usually you might get a, a ticket applied to you in a sprint and it'll be it'll have certain uh, a certain sort of capacity point, um, if, if you like, assigned to it. So, you know, I'm working on a on a five at the moment. That's the team saying that they think the ticket will take me a while. Probably the sprint may be longer. So, yeah, that's it, essentially. And the, and the ticket will have, on, on the piece of software that we use, uh, Jira, it will have all the information that you need to work on it. So it's almost like being given given a task with all the information, but also an estimation of how long they think it might take you. Do you find it quite motivating to work in that way? Uh, personally, yes. I, like Agile, there's been a, a bit of a revelation coming from academia where things are not always very well organised, I would say, in universities. You know, they they do their best. Just just the iterative nature of it and the fact that there's, there's almost as much time spent on organisation as actually working. And while that sounds counterproductive, it's actually really nice to have work broken down into tiny chunks and then kind of reflected upon all the time. So it's less about meeting a deadline which is very much what I was used to 
um, when I worked, meet a deadline. And then if you don't hit the deadline, there's sort of repercussions or something goes wrong or something can't happen or someone's disappointed. This way, it's sort of, okay, well, we didn't get what we wanted to get done in that sprint. How can we change that so that next sprint, we're a bit more efficient or we're estimating our work more realistically. And so this whole notion of, of course, there are deadlines and of course, the business is working towards certain deadlines. But from a developer perspective, certainly uh, at the stage we're at, it's very much the work is assigned to us based on our ability rather than we're stretching ourselves to do the work. And that feels like a much more healthy way to do it. Working in an agile manner sort of like inevitably means that you have to communicate a lot. You have to communicate with the person who, uh, we call it a, a scrum master, they're the person in charge of sort of doing all of that organization handing out tickets that sort of stuff so you communicate to them and you communicate to the rest of your team and sometimes with technology you you can I definitely find that I can get lost in my head like focusing on a ticket focusing on a piece of work so having those daily check-ins and having the uh, sprint reviews allows for a piece of communication and reflection that I think I would otherwise miss so it gives me at least like a a very good balance what have you found the most challenging part about your experiences so far for me is fight with the imposter syndrome every day not when you feel like you have trick everyone to feel to feel like you are doing the job properly or you are right to be there that's I think that's the most tricky part because when you face like a part on the um, the code or the ticket you don't understand you can just jump with someone with your lead manager or, or a colleague to to help you but I feel that part is more like you against yourself so for me that's the most uh, tricky one that's a good point because it's true like we need to admit imposter syndrome is going to always be there everyone needs to realize that you don't need to be scared of it just trying to flow with it like every single day i feel like oh my god test make the wrong choice picking me up um they're gonna fire me tomorrow they're gonna realize that i'm an imposter um i lied or something you know what i mean but that's always there i mean i, I reckon everyone my partner partner's brother everyone working technology and they all get it they all have like an amazing management roles. They call like um, supervisor roles and they all have imposter syndrome. Is that for everyone? Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to apply for this kind of like career change, don't be, um, don't let, don't, don't let it get to you. Imposter syndrome is part of everyone. How do you get through it then? How do you show up each day, even though you have those, you know, those voices saying you, you don't belong here. <laughs> At least. For me, Tez has betted on on us. Um, they have basically like given me a very clear visualization of the fact that these thoughts are just in my head. And I found that like sometimes when I'm feeling extremely down, a developer or another person from Tez will somehow just know and they'll just come with words of encouragement and they'll they'll let me know that I'm on I'm on the right track and I I really value working for a company that is is caring so much about its people that is making sure to check in because if 
if they hadn't given me those moments of encouragement and if I didn't have the other apprentices by my side saying the exact same stuff I'm feeling it would certainly be a lot more lonely um, and I'm just really appreciative of everyone I work with because they're, they're definitely my, my rock with, in those moments. Do you feel like that's ref- a refreshing change from when you were working in Heritage? There was a different type of solidarity there. There was a panicky type of, oh my God, we need to get this done by uh, a deadline. But in Tez, the, the relaxation um, is so, so lovely because like it's just, I might be making um, it a bigger problem in my head because of my background in Heritage because I'm so used to everything needs to be done for such a fixed time and urgency and in Tesla they, they remind you to take it slow and to to do your job which is to to learn and to make mistakes which I really much appreciate. I think the actual practice of coding is one where you go from like vertigo to mastery within an hour sometimes you know you're looking at a problem and you think why did I ever choose to do this? I don't know <laughs> what any of this means. It looks terrifying. I can't make sense of it. I'm getting red red lines in my tests. You know, what am I doing wrong? And then you change, you, you look something up online, you change one line and you get the green light and you're jumping, literally jumping for joy. And I think that as long as you can sometimes not think about the big stuff and just concentrate on the small stuff and those small wins, then it's it can be really rewarding and you think when you get that win you know it's a great feeling and um then it feels worth it it's kind of kind of thing and the imposter syndrome goes away until the next problem which is just <laughs> the next problem right? there's, there's always another one so so it's, it's a constant cycle of uh, these ups and downs but it's actually quite nice I think to jump on that one of the really nice things that uh, does take away the edge of imposter syndrome is it doesn't matter how senior you are, you're still going through that exact same emotional mm. roller coaster. Um, and so when I've mentioned to my manager or to senior developers that, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, they're like, same, let, let's work through this together. And it's just so lovely to have that attitude of it's okay to not know what you're doing so long as you, you get there eventually. At least for me, I remember being a little bit nervous that I was taking away their time. And I mentioned it to uh, one of the senior developers on my team. And he responded in kind that a lot of them had worked at doing it, not necessarily properly, but they had done the university degree. They had done computer science or something like that. And a key part of working in the degree is you take a year off and work in industry. So they've also had the exact same experience of feeling just as lost and confused as we are. And I I think they enjoy returning the favour. I've got people on my team who have also gone through boot camps. You know, it's not all just people with computer science degrees either. It's it's surprised me how diverse, you know, software is. Um, I know that you hear news stories about them screaming out for a bit more diversity, but it's already getting there if you're in the right company. Um, So that's been really nice. And have you found the same as well, Sonia? Because I know you worked in that area, you said, in Heritage. Absolutely. My first official day in TES, I mentioned that I was really keen on working on accessible technology because I want to make a difference. And the head of engineering responded and went, OK, cool, well, we have a, we have a team, so I might, I might put you on them so you get to learn that 
uh, from them, which I, I really appreciate. And they've always made an effort to make us feel included, regardless of, of what our background is. They do a lot of steps to help support early level developers and women, and they have schemes in place where you can just reach out and get help. For example, they have mental health first aiders in the company. So if you're struggling, there are people who are trained and will support you on that line. They also have a 24-hour, I think it is, I, I haven't reached out for it, but they have a service where you can just call in and get some sort of counselling. And these are all holistic like everyday things that are just there and they're small but but you can tell that they're putting in an effort and it's really noticeable because everyone does seem really relaxed and it it I think it makes such a big difference. Which skills and responsibilities are you most excited about developing in the next steps of your journey with Tez? I'm a very ambitious person. I want to know all. I want to be able to read JavaScript and be like, yeah, that's easy. That's like reading Spanish or English. I can get it. So yeah, get to a point understanding every single line of code. But I think mostly I want to be able to feel comfortable with, because for example, my team is working on a brand new thing that no one in the entire company is doing. We're the only ones. So, and it's very up to date. It's very new. So when I get to see it, I'm like, no no idea I feel so I, I want to know all that so yeah I, I look to develop all the skills able to read the code and understand it and if I get new more new frameworks new new languages or new stuff I want to be able to understand it straight away not straight away but like easily I think part of being a career changer is you have to have that sort of ambition because because it is a, a big leap to, to make and to have like those goals to focus on like like Jose mentioned you know being able to feel comfortable with the code base is, is a big one um, and I think partly I think it's what technology encourages because it moves on so fast and to me everything it moves on to is so exciting and you, you do just want to know more about it you want to see the way in which it is uh, progressing um, and yeah, the endurance to be able to, to do that and to continue having the same joy for technology are the things that I, I, I want to keep because I'm aware that sometimes like you can work and you, you get tired and it becomes your regular. But I do appreciate that with, techno with technology, new stuff can pop up, at least in our company, and you get the curiosity to help drive you forward. Has anything surprised you? about being on the being part of the apprenticeship yeah being a place and not feeling in the when you wake up in the morning that oh I have to work instead I'm feeling like okay a new day let's go for it uh that's really surprising for me because yeah the they all all the other experience I have was truly really, truly really awful <laughs> Before I was really confident on my skill as a graphic designer, I knew what I have to do for the job and everything, but the environment was so bad that you end up thinking, oh, maybe I'm a bad worker. Maybe it's not about the skills you have, it's more about your capability of the job, of, to communicate or whatever. 
And seeing here is like, okay, I'm doubting about my skills because I know I'm learning code, but all the rest is so easy that makes the rest easy too. I, I just wanted to state that I, I know that like with all of the um, careers that we change from, like a common note that we might have is that we were all um, struggling in like the industry, whether due to pressure or temporary contact, uh, contracts or instability. But I think even if you enjoy your career and you're interested in technology, I still think it's worth the career change um you don't have to like have come from the same sort of mentalities that we have because I think that working in technology is extremely rewarding so if if you are just interested in it I, I would absolutely encourage you to do like some courses on Code Academy that are free to just see how you like it because at least for me it's it's been very worth it and I think it would be even if I worked in uh like one of my previous jobs where I was constantly at team parks and, and playing with bouncy castles. So, yeah. So maybe if you, if you reflect back on when you were thinking about applying for this apprenticeship and all the, the feelings that you had about that, if anyone listening who is considering applying for a similar apprenticeship, what do you want to say to them? I guess, I guess no matter what age you are, but particularly for career changes, people who have some previous experience in another career and are anxious about putting that down and then starting afresh I'd say I wish someone had sort of said to me you're, you're already half a developer in a way if you've got any kind of experience working in any other field then you're kind of already there because the software needs needs that experience it needs like we all said the soft skills um, no matter in what context they've come from. Of course, learning to code is a core part of the job and it takes some dedication and a lot of effort to learn. But find the right apprenticeship and you'll be supported in that. And, and that's something that I, I really do believe that everyone can learn. It's the different experiences that we have that perhaps made the difference in, in getting this role. And I've certainly felt have made the difference in the role. And if you've got, you know, if you can communicate, if you can work in a team, if you can reflect on your work, if you can speak to other people in different contexts, then you're half a developer because it, like Sonia said, it is a job that involves a, an incredible amount of communication, far more than I would have expected. And while I really enjoy working on my own and being deep in code it's also really nice to have those aspects of the job where you know you're you're working together in a team you're you're pairing with someone for half a day I would just say you're not starting afresh you're just taking what you've got and you're applying it as well once you feel comfortable with the code once you feel comfortable writing html and css and then maybe if you start with javascript or python once you just like comfy just go and apply it don't, don't don't wait years and years self-learning yourself until you uh, apply for your first apprenticeship some people just go straight to junior position as well so that is when you depend on what you want if you feel comfortable enough to do your junior or if you rather do something more like guided just do apprenticeship I tried to actually do a previous apprenticeship in technology and as the rest of my group know it did not turn out as I hoped um, the apprenticeship provider just 
wasn't as supportive um, and I, I struggled with the company. And when I applied for TES and when I applied for Makers, I did all of the research to make sure that I would I would be getting the support out of it that I needed. And I mentioned the previous experience I had and they were horrified. Like uh, the, the stuff that Jose highlighted of, uh, you know, sometimes you go for an apprenticeship and they turn you down because you don't have the experience. That's a red flag. You're going in a position to be an apprentice. You are meant to have zero knowledge. And so I would absolutely advise like going for the apprenticeship we've gone for, for, for example, because we have been nurtured and encouraged. But if you are concerned about, you know, how, how well you will be supported, please just ask in the interview questions because it's not only an interview for them, it's an interview for you to find the right place to support you. Um, and that's what I, I would really emphasize. Just do it because you already have the, the know there, but you can just find a yes and you can find a great place to work and a great career to, to go through. So, yeah, just give it a try. Mm, take the chance. <laughs> yeah. I think you've offered some really valuable advice well no appreciate it and thanks for thanks for putting this together and for the questions so I hadn't thought about some of this until you asked so it's quite nice to reflect on the last six months and thank you again so much for your time best of luck with everything lovely to meet all of you